Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy brought to you by the Say It Again Network. I'm Tyler Lawrence. With me is Zach Alfers. Dude, what a crazy week. We're Just back. From like high to low to high to low to, to come from the low of the Houston game <laughs> and roll into the Broncos game and just obliterate them. Dude, yeah. I'm feeling so good right now. I yeah. I had such low energy last week, and I was just feeling left out and down, and I got hit with COVID, and it was just like all bad to like rolling into this week on such a high, such an exclamation mark. I'm ecstatic. I, I don't know how you can't be. I mean, we're back from the depths of – of hell it felt like last week we are back and what way to what more of emphatic way to make a statement to the rest of the league and say hey you know the chargers are legit that was our most complete game all year and we saved it for the most important game of the year week 17 against division rival we kicked their ass in all three phases offense defense but we've seen our offense and defense dominate games this is the first game all year where we had a dominant special teams performance and it all came together. That's what you need to win in playoff games. That's what you need to win in must win situations. We put it all together on Sunday. And like you said, I couldn't be happier with uh, our guys and our performance. I mean, imagine if Derwin James got those two interceptions when he did uh, this, the, the yeah. score, it would have even been worse. It would have been 48 to seven It would 48, 13, whatever you want to call it. It would have been a totally, totally different game. He comes down with that. But my favorite play of the game was the Joey Bosa four-yard, negative four-yard hit in the backfield after Drew Locke was like, oh, he's tired. He's tired. And he's like, I'm not fucking tired. I love that, dude. Like, that was that that's was football. not the – that's not the yeah. player you want to get hyped up. You don't want to talk shit to that guy because that guy is just – that's just not what you do as Drew Locke, one well, of the worst quarterbacks in the league, calling <laughs> – Calling out one of the best players in the NFL. What do you expect to happen? No, that was pretty dumb on Locke's part. And I'm glad you brought up Bosa because I thought he had a phenomenal game. And I mean, we we all know about his pass rush ability. You know, he leads the league in strip sacks. And he's half a sack away from his fourth double-digit sack season in just his sixth year. But he's also slept on as a run defender, I feel like. And... I guess in, in the general public, other NFL teams, they know that he's a legit talented run defender and teams this year have really done a good job of negating his ability um, to, to defend the, the rush by just running away from him. Wherever Joey Bosa lines up, teams just run opposite of him, but Denver did not use that strategy. They were absolutely disrespectful. I thought in that regard, and we're running right at Joey Bosa for a lot of the game and the results were bad for Denver. We held them to the second lowest yards per carry attempt of any opponent we faced. And we've talked about how we've had success overall in numbers and a numbers stance and against the rush defense, but we've never had success like this on a yard per carry basis. And we dominated them. Um, and I thought Bosa's play on defense was a big part of that. Uh, he had a season high, six tackles, had two run stops and he aggressively set the edge when he couldn't make the play and forced the, Denver ball carriers back into traffic. Uh, I thought our run defense as a whole was really good. Um, and I thought Bosa was a big part of that. You know, 
talking about run stops, like what a game to do, what a team to do it yeah. against, right? You know, this is a really, really good team at rushing the ball. Like they're they're really good at it. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are are just hammer after hammer, and they come at you back to back to back to back. And for you to have that type of game against this team, against a team that really specializes in in controlling the line of scrimmage, and and you go out there and just have that type of outing. It's just outstanding to see because we haven't seen it all year. I talked about a little bit a couple weeks this team has along the defensive line. It's much better on paper than what the product has been out on the field. But at its best, you see what it can be. We've already seen what it can be at its worst. We, we saw that Houston that was at its absolute worst. But at its best, it, it can be a championship-caliber defense. I mean, we had 22 stops on, on defense. That's yeah. that's an insane number. And we were getting after the quarterback. I want to say we had we had seven total pressures, which isn't anything out of, out of you know, it's not great. But, I mean, Derwin James had, had an, uh, an outstanding hit on Drew Locke that – that got called a, um, a a penalty. It shouldn't have been called a penalty. He just got after him. Uh, Joey Bosa got to him twice. Um, Chenin Owosu, Jerry Tillery, Justin Jones, those, those uh, you know, interior guys were, were getting in there as well. Defensively, we play a really complete game. My, I also really liked how Andre Roberts, he had two nice kick returns. Yeah. Um, he had one that went for like 40 yards. And then, of course, the, the 101. By the way, that's a career long for him. Taking it back to the house. Chargers have not had a player on on kickoff return for since 2012. He has not had a, a, a return touchdown. So that's just – we've had a few on punt teams where he still hasn't really broke one on, on, on yet, but – uh, we have not had a field flipper like this in so long. No. And I mean, he's a, a true difference maker too. He's making an impact and against Denver, 148 total return yards, including the 101 yard kick return. He's explosive. And I think what we, I, I think I credit the special teams tremendously for this win. Roberts alone is personally responsible for 14 points. That opening kick to set us up on a, what was a dominant uh, opening drive, seven play drive, six runs, all positive, just to, and capped it off with seven points. Um, that really sparked the momentum from the rest of the game, and we kind of just carried it through all four quarters. Um, but what I didn't realize is Andre Roberts, since joining the Chargers, leads the NFL with an average of 36 yards per punt return leads the NFL in total return yards on the season, but like a true difference maker at a very, very important position that we've just kind of neglected uh, for a long time. You said we haven't had a kick return since 2012, but we haven't had a legit player there since 2010 when Darren Sproles left. So and we've it's been, been looking for a long time, right? We've tried. Yeah, we've tried. There's been Travis Benjamin. Uh, yeah. We went and drafted Joe Reed. Yeah. We've had a lot of different guys back there, and we have just been cycling through as all the different returners that we can possibly get. I want to say the last legit returner that we had was Darren Sproles. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it is. yeah, we even uh, uh, signed in the offseason a few seasons back uh, Ravens wide receiver 
who took one back from the Super Bowl. I can't think of his name, but that didn't pan out. Darren Sproles was the last legit kick returner we had in for as long as I can remember. Well, and remember at the beginning of the year when our special teams was such a, you know, a flaw, Justin Herbert was driving from his 10 yard line. It seemed every drive now with a guy who's getting 36 yards per kick, we're in positive plus we're in positive yardage when we're starting these drives. Uh, and Justin Herbert's efficient. You're going to give him some help. He's going to make defenses pay. And that, we didn't need an elite. We didn't really need an elite kick returner, just some, a positive one. Now we have an elite one, and it's making an immediate impact. Um, you love to see it. I was uh, I was thinking of Jacoby Jones when we signed Jacoby, Jacoby Jones, Jones in the was, Yeah, and that didn't pan out. And having the ability to to start just on the thirty five yard line, which isn't nothing outrageous or crazy, but it really shortens the field for you. And it gives your offense so much less, like it feels so much less pressure it, starting right. the yard line, starting, you know, near midfield. It just absolutely changes the game. And then he hasn't really gotten the chance on, on punt returns quite yet. I, I have a feeling he's going to, he's going to break one here soon. Well, and he hasn't really, yeah, uh, that, and I think, I don't know if that has to do a lot with how, how teams don't punt against us a lot. Um, it just, but at that, it's a lot of fair catches. It's, it's a lot of, he doesn't have a lot of opportunities. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think if he had opportunities, he's, he's do, he's one of the most prolific returners in the game, you know, two time, all pro he's leading the league right now at second in average, one of only 10 guys to return a kick. So, I mean, he's, he's trending to be all pro for three, third time in a, in a row. Um, I mean, the guy's good at what he does. It's he's one of the most dynamic kick returners in the NFL. And the fact that we got him in the middle of the season is just outstanding. Like how, how lucky are we to, to go and get this guy? Well, Why did they let him go? At, By Houston. Houston. That, I mean, they don't know, but they, they don't want to win football games. It seems like they just have so many other problems that like, I feel like he, he's, he really is a luxury to have an extra receipt because he's not really involved in the offense. He's a kick couple returner, jet so. sweeps. I, I think he has like three jet sweeps this year. I, I think the Chargers are have, are have the luxury of having a much better roster than Houston and in much better circumstances um, to be able to hold on to a guy like that. I think Houston is trying to develop. I think they knew they have no chance this year. So they're trying to build for something else and they don't see uh, Andre Roberts as part of that future. I'm glad for that because he is a bright future here in LA uh, and we're going to use him and we're going to put him to work. You know, I'm really looking forward to offering him a new contract this season. I'll bring him back. Yeah, I'll bring him definitely bring him back. And to think that he's having the success he's having now, I, I want to say he's like 31 years old. Like he's he's not a young guy. You know what I mean? Like no, he's, he's a been... he's an old man doing it. Uh, just taking a look, he is 33.9 years old. So he's almost 34 years old and having this outstanding success as a kick returner. He's got the speed. He's got the vision. Yeah. So I'm not offering more than maybe a one-year contract, but I'll make it a nice one-year contract for sure. Sure. I'll I think fully guarantee $3 million for, for somebody that can flip field position, give it to them, just you know, $3.5 million fully guaranteed for injury or whatever. 
knowing that he just offers something that nobody else on your roster offers. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I think he's well, yeah, he's been a big part of our success coming down the stretch, and I'm hoping he's going to be a big part for what should be a long and eventful playoff run. And I'm actually really hoping that he's in the film room with Joe Reed and, you know, trying to, because yeah, sh- they're very similar players. That's interesting too, to think about just that mentorship and Joe Reed now gets to practice from that guy, gets to pick his brain. That, that is a lug. That is, yeah, Joe Reed gets should to see definitely his preparation. be taking, Well, all of that, that is all, all key um, and big, huge for a young player with that, who has been really showing, very minimal progression um, in his time with the organization. You'd love to see someone be able to kickstart his, you know, development. Maybe, maybe Andre Roberts is the guy, you know, who else, who else better could, to mentor could him be, right now? Especially if you're looking for somebody to be a, a career kick returner, right? Like I don't see Joe Reed ever developing into the receiver that, that we kind of wanted him to be. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he might be that special teams type of player that just hasn't gotten as many opportunities. I mean, he's one of the most dynamic college returners ever. Yeah. He's not returning punts, which is an, uh, something I talked about all training camp is why is this guy not, you know, on, on the punt return team, but as a kickoff guy, as somebody like Andre Roberts, who's really excelled at that in his career, watches preparation, who knows what ends up happening next season. I guess I don't want to get too far into that. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about to this Broncos game is the offense and specifically the offensive line. And even more specifically, mm. Trey Pipkins has yeah. played outstanding in the two games he's appeared in this season. We got a new player. Uh, I think he needs to change his name or like add a hyphen or add a, you know, something because he's not the Trey Pipkins we've all grown to hate. <laughs> he's no, a new he's guy. Not. He is a new guy, and he's been playing phenomenal, uh, like you said, these last two games that he's got some playing chance. I don't know what they did with Trey Pipkins because whoever the 79 is, they've trotted out the last two games is, for what for what we've seen, has been phenomenal. Um, and, yeah, I'd love to see that continue. I've been going back and forth with people on Twitter where people are talking about players who are underperforming. It's like, why don't we cut them? Well, when you're like a manager, right? Like at a job, like when you're a manager, your job is to develop your team, even if they're performing. If you have a person who doesn't know how to do their job very well, you don't just fire them. You develop their skill sets, right? And that's what you have to do with these younger players. Trey Pipkins had all the talent in the world, super athletic. We've talked about, you know, him being a third round draft pick. Maybe he was drafted a little too highly, but instead of giving up on the player and just outright cutting him, develop his skill set. And you're, you're going to reap the rewards of that much later. And Trey Pipkins has been sitting. He's been learning. He's been around guys like Corey Lindsley, like Mike Filer, Matt, like Odea Bushi, who have been in the league a long time. And he's watching their preparation. And, you know, he's got a really, really good coaching staff who have helped develop. And, and the offensive line overall has gotten better. I mean, even Storm Norton, who – we yeah. talked a lot of trash about early on in the season. <laughs> He's been playing much, much better. We haven't been talking about him because he hasn't been making any major mistakes. We've yeah. gotten real quiet on on the Storm Norton uh, trash train that we've been on for a, a while there. And, you know, over the last month, two months, over the last eight weeks, how much have we talked about Storm Norton? 
nothing well barely any and i think as an offensive lineman you yeah it, it's hard to get you don't really want to get noticed if you're getting noticed it, it's probably because you're giving up big plays you know it, it's really hard to play positively and get noticed as an offensive lineman you uh, you know as an analyst as a podcaster we kind of have to go out of our way to analyze offensive line tape because it's just naturally not something you're watching the flow of the game. You kind of just fall away from offensive line play. It's, it's just natural. Um, but yeah, you're, to your point, we haven't had to talk about him because he's not messing up. And actually on the other end of that, he's been playing really well. He has the been. The entire offensive line has been playing very well the last couple of weeks. To the point where Storm Norton, I believe, is a free agent. And based off the development we've seen just this year alone, I think he's earned another contract, maybe not a, you know, a five-year monster contract, but, you know, two, three-year contract to kind of see how he continues to develop because he's gotten much, much better, much, much better. And I've noticed that we have not been talking about him lately, and that's a good thing, right? Yeah. And I'm really excited to, to you know, after this season, go turn around and break down some of this tape on Storm Norton, see how's he progressed since – his abysmal play against Micah Parsons to to playing a, a much better defense like the Broncos, who, mm-hmm. you know, they've had some good pass rushers there in the past, and they've been a good defense there in the past. And, you know, I didn't even notice them, which is great. It's great to not notice bad things about the offensive line. It's nice when it's just quiet and you don't even notice anything. Well, and I think the biggest thing is we're seeing, it's like both of those players, Pipkins and Storm Norton, struggled tremendously in the Anthony Lynn uh, era. And I feel like more than anything, what we're seeing is not an improvement of the player. I think the player is, is relatively the same, but what you're seeing is a, is a coaching staff that is much better at developing players and specifically putting them and playing players to their capabilities. We're not putting Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins in positions to fail, which is what they all constantly did or constantly were put in throughout the Anthony Lynn regime. They are now getting put in chances to make successful plays and they're, and they're executing. So I think with Storm Norton, a much he's a much better player now than he was last year, but I think a lot of it has to do with coaching and scheme and just this confidence around the players from the Lynn's the Lynn system to now are just all of them have progressed so much. And I don't think it's necessarily a talent thing, but more, a lot more scheme based and a confidence in their, the coaching staff that we haven't had. I, I honestly, since Marty Schottenheimer, when have you been confident in a coaching staff, I, I, a charger coaching staff? It's been a long time for me personally. It's it has been a long time, and and just take a look at the offensive line by itself. Not not only did we replace all of these these players on the offensive line, we replaced five out of five starters. If you count Brian Bulaga being out, we have a completely new starter at every single position on the offensive line, and the only yeah. players that came from last season that have really played this season, you've got Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. Every other starter, uh, Scott Quisenberry as well. But look at at the development of just Rayshon Slater as a rookie, one of the most phenomenal uh, offensive tackles in the entire NFL to the point where he not only made a Pro Bowl, but he's in line to potentially make an all-pro team as a rookie at that position, which is extremely hard. The offensive line has played so much better, 
And they really controlled the line of scrimmage against the Raiders, which I, we haven't even been talking about the, the Raiders game in itself. We've just been talking about, you know, the play of all, all these different players. The, the Chargers really controlled the line at, uh, at, against the Raiders. And Justin Herbert was kept upright. He had plenty of time to throw. Yeah. And they were creating some monster rushing lanes against the Broncos as well. Not well, the Raiders, the Broncos. Yeah. It, what's crazy is we, yeah, we didn't even mention Herbert and his record setting 35th touchdown on the, the year. You know, for a team, a franchise that has seen Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers and Dan Fouts all take snaps under center. For Justin Herbert in his second season to be the only one with 35 touchdowns in a year is pretty phenomenal. And he does he did it efficiently, right? Only like less than 30 passes, I think, overall in that game, but over 70% completion rate and just efficient. And I, I think the biggest thing I, I, I like from Herbert against Denver, it was his decision-making. I For the first time all year, I saw him going through his progression, and he made the right decision. No interceptions, no bad throws. Um, and, he, and on that, that first touchdown, uh, Keenan Allen went all the way through his progression. On his third or fourth read, found Keenan on the backside. Uh, phenomenal progression from Herbert, which was a big part of those Baltimore and, and New England losses where he was just eyeing receivers down. So it's, it's good to see him adapting. Um, he's developing it well too. He really is. <laughs> he's playing so well. He's playing so much better. Everyone's talking about a sophomore slump. I don't really expect a sophomore slump, you know, but I expected a very similar season to his rookie season. I and he's be played similar. better. He's, he's better, played yeah. much better. And, He's been doing it, and it's something else ironic that, that I'm not hearing a lot of people talking about anymore. Going all the way back to Oregon, he's been in a new offensive system almost every single year. He's had no consistency. So what does that mean for next season when he's been in this system and he already knows he's That's just going to build on, on it? He's just going to build on it. He hasn't had a chance to build on anything ever, right? No, no system has he sat in longer than, than a year going all the way back to college where he's just being able to sit and develop into the offense even further. And he's going to get the chance to do that. And that's going to be terrifying for opposing teams when he's more comfortable in the pocket, knowing where his receivers are going to be anticipating where his receivers are going to be. I mean, he's, he's still developing all of this rapport with, all of his different wide receivers that he has at his disposal. And those guys likely are coming back. Mike Williams, don't know how you don't offer him another contract. Josh Palmer has played outstanding. You're going to get Donald Parham, who's been developing back, right? Jared Cook is likely going to end up going somewhere else, but he's going to have Trey McKitty there as well. Like all of these guys are coming back. Um, Austin Eckler, like this, this offense is going to be very similar next season. Right, you're you're gonna want to try to keep some consistency on the offense and around Justin Herbert, offensive line, growing for another year. This team isn't like peaking by any means. No, no, and I think that's yeah, that's a big thing to think about. We're very very far from peaking. We have a lot to build on, but I think what it is promising is we're starting to put some things together. Right, we're starting to get people healthy. I, I can't believe that this is the first time since week one that our starting secondary is played. Like that's crazy. Um, but they're all healthy and are going to look to be healthy 
from now on into the playoffs. That is going to be so huge. We talked about it all year, how we thought that was going to be an advantage for us come week 18, come playoffs, how, how, you know, what is the word? Um, conservative Staley has been with the, his, his players' health. Uh, it's paying dividends right now where we have nobody on the COVID list. Um, I, I think maybe four or five total people on the, the injury report. But and then you I go think, and you take a look at the Raiders injury report. Got, and it's so big. So they got a lot this. of. But that's kind of their mo. I was looking. I remember last week or last time we played in week four. They had about twenty names when we did our report or we did our podcast, and then by game day that trimmed down to nine, and then all of those players ended up playing that game. So I think I I and I, I made a mention of it our last podcast i kind of think it's just the raiders old school mentality they're trying to go they, they go so old school they're looking for some type of psychological edge where they're gonna say oh yeah we're gonna put this out there and think make the other team think we're all hurt but i i think i guarantee i don't guarantee i think a lot of those players will play and i think that list is gonna trim down uh to a more reasonable list i, uh, eight I or nine agree i do towards game day I do it's believe too- it'll trim down, but there's no yeah. doubt about it. Like they're banged up, right? Like to they're, a point well, where, to, yeah, More they're banged us. up. Yeah. So if you look at the Chargers, let's just go ahead and get into the injury report. Uh, so Joe Gaziano did not practice. Corey Lindsley, who left the game early in the first quarter, I believe it was, he did not practice with a, a back injury. Uh, Brandon Saley did say that he doesn't expect it to be too serious. I expect them to practice later this week and hopefully suit up for this game because this is this game against the the Raiders. It's it's got playoff implications. We'll get playoff, into all of that. Here it is a playoff game. Uh, Derwin James was a full participant. Linval Joseph was a full participant, and Drew Tranquil, who missed the last game, was a limited participant. Now the Raiders had. Defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins did not practice. Wide receiver Deshaun Jackson did not practice. Center Nick Martin didn't practice. Uh, They had a handful of limited participants. Josh Jacobs is dealing with some rib issue. Uh, He was a limited participant. Trayvon Morig dealing with a shoulder injury. He was a limited participant. You've got Denzel uh, Perryman, who's dealing with an ankle injury, limited practice. All these limited practice guys are likely going to end up playing. And then Darren Waller finally returned this week. He is expected to play uh, against the Chargers. And then going over everyone else, that's just kind of a far, full participant but listed. Uh, you got Divine Diablo. You've got Andre James, their center. Uh, you've got Quentin Jefferson, their defensive tackle. Foster Moreau, tight end. Uh, and then the the last thing I kind of want to bring up is Nate Hobbs uh, did not learn from his teammate who just had one of the most terrible things I've ever seen in my life. Um, what's his name? Uh, Henry Ruggs. wide receiver Henry Ruggs, who got in one of the worst drunk driving accidents. Just I don't know how they didn't just outright cut. Nate Hobbs after knowing what this player ended up doing. And I don't know the full story. I believe they caught him like asleep in his car, like super drunk or something like that. But it, I mean, you're in the playoffs. Like, what are you even doing? Like drinking, like you're right there. 
what do you like this is not the time to be drinking or ha- going out and having fun like this is you get into this point of the season and you're got to be all mindset like the the next month is all about you, the team and your your family right like bringing your guys together and trying to come together to do something you know do something big that you have an opportunity to do like this is not the time to be going out and partying or whatever it is, right? Like this is not that time. And for Nate Hobbs, who has been phenomenal all season. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's super, super unfortunate. And Gus Bradley, Nickelbacks typically are really like, they play really, really well. Like they're basic and they're basically a starter too, because that's a system. He's not, he doesn't play anything less than five DBs. Like you're a starter and basically in Gus Bradley's system. Yeah, and they they always are set up to excel just based off of the defense that he plays. And he, he has a rookie fifth-round draft pick, Pro Bowl. I think he got voted into the Pro Bowl. Like, how how are you going and make that type of mistake? Ah, it's just ridiculous. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just ridiculous. I think it just, you know, it kind of speaks to just where both – franchises are you know one building for a super bowl no distractions one lost no direction ton of distractions and i mean i I keep reading into you know the 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 start the analysts um you know input to this game what they think is going to happen and the, the people that pick the raiders they're all they they're all in on this I love the mentality that the Raiders have because it's the Raiders versus the rest of the world. Well, yeah, it is, but it's also not like a credo. They, they they accepted that because they had to, because it is the Raiders versus the world, because nobody wants to support that team right now because of all of this craziness surrounding them. So it has to be them against the world because they have no support. Um, and they're making crazy decisions like that. Like, you eventually you got to learn, right? You've got to learn from people around you. There's just no type of leadership in that organization. And right. What's the biggest praise for Derek Carr? Oh, he's a great leader. He's a great leader. Really? He's a great leader with all these young players around him making these stupid decisions. To me, that's all leadership. And to me, that a lot of, okay, it's not all Derek Carr, but to me, it's this this organization has no leaders, right? There's no it's sense It's who of, this organization, like, tries it, to bring in, right? Like, it's, you know, you can tell who a, a Raiders-type player is yeah. because they're the guys that are always getting in trouble off the field. And I know yeah. you go back to the old Raiders owner, just win, baby, whatever you want to call it. But, man, he was bringing in uh, players based off of just talent alone. And for whatever reason, he would get lucky. And then over time... You found out that that's not a recipe for long-term success. That's a recipe no. for short-term success. And you saw it with with every player that they drafted over the past 15 years. I'd say about half of them have had some sort of off-the-field problems. It's just a it's just a characteristic of Raiders players. We've come to just know Raiders as bad players off the field. And that, that doesn't go for everybody. I, I actually really do like Derek Carr as a quarterback, as just like a, a leader but it's really hard to win when your your general manager, when your owner, they don't care about the character of players. They just don't. 
They yeah. really just don't. And I, and they do have some high character players. Hunter Renfro is having an outstanding season. He's always been one of those guys that just really fun to watch, but also like carries himself as professional. Well, yeah, he's also turned into a wide receiver one now that they've lost, you know, all these different players that they've lost. And it's, it's crazy to think that the Raiders are having as much success as they are with everything else going on in their organization. It's because of guys like Hunter Renfro, like Derek Carr, like Colton Miller, you know, and then you go and you add in uh, Casey Hayward, Denzel Perryman, Max Crosby, who's had off the field issues with his drinking and he's turned it around. He's gotten himself sober. They have enough leaders there. They just need the rest of these guys to get in trouble and get kicked off (laughs) out of the NFL. That's the thing. I don't think that'll ever happen. Like, I I think that's the the fundamental problem with the Raiders, right? You mentioned they've always had pieces. They've always had talented players. They always pick up, you know, the Warren Saps at the end of their careers. Like they, they do Randy Mosses. Yeah. Yeah. They've gone out and they've had talented players. They're not building towards anything. There is no direction. There is no Al Davis culture. Just win baby doesn't exist because you can barely put eight wins together in a season like there's no culture there's not they're not building towards anything every year is it's a college team is what it is and every year they're going to go reach their arms out try to get as many pieces as they can and they just put together like a you know a robot every year that kind of just breaks down and it's going to break down again next year because they're not building towards anything there's no direction for that team and they're kind of just drowning they really are and I mean, we talked about their draft picks from a season ago, and I don't think any of their draft picks are on their team anymore. I think most of them have gotten arrested or <laughs> something just crazy. I do like the pieces that they have on defense, if we, if we want to get into it. Max Crosby is the third highest graded, according to yeah. PFF, edge rusher. He's having a phenomenal season. He, he kind of reminds me of Joey Bosa just in his style of play. Maybe not quite as just overly talented, but he's a talented player and he's having an outstanding season alongside Unique Nguakwe, who's been a dependable edge rusher for most of his career. You know, Quentin Jefferson, Jonathan Hankins, they're a formidable duo in the middle there. Their defensive line has really stepped up their defense overall. And, you know, we talk as much trash as we can about Gus Bradley, but Gus Bradley defenses can be good if they're they're what's the word for if they're just like really um just accurate in in their their roles right if they do everything that they're supposed to to the discipline that's the word i'm thinking if they remain very disciplined gus bradley can have success it's really boring and bland doesn't cause a whole lot of turnovers but it, it is a system that works. It's just boring. And it's not what we, we, you know, there's no, there's nothing exciting about his defense. It's always just going to be a mid tier defense. That'll be just good enough. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. 
Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Well, and I think for as much success as that that team has had and is having, they really only play well against the pass. You could have all the yards you want against the Raider defense if you're willing to run the ball. And we did last we did last week. I I we, we gashed him for like 100, almost 170 yards. Austin Eckler had a career day on the ground. So they could, you can get the Raiders defense on the ground. Um, I think they're the best when they're able to get after the, the passer with those pass rushers you, you mentioned. And I, I do like their, their secondary. You know, Nate Hobbs is out of the equation now, but Divine Diablo... Well, Dion Diablo is what will linebacker, but um, who am I thinking of? Trayvon Morgig, the uh, the the safety. Um, they have some good DBs over there. Decent Casey pass Hayward rushers. for sure. Casey yeah, Hayward, we, I'm sleeping on him. He's I, had I think, a re, re, he like he's really come back onto his own. He's he's really bounced back, and I'm really happy that he bounced back, even if it is yeah. the Raiders, because I'm always going to be a Casey Hayward fan. Always, always going to end up happening. Well, and I'll be the first one to admit, I did not think, I thought his career was over. I thought it was honestly a good time to let him go, move away, get someone a little more athletic, but he has sure proved that decision to be a bad one because he is, yeah, his complete career resurgence that I was not expecting to see. And I thought the guy was done. Um, But like, yeah, like you said, I like the guy. I'm just... I wish he'd go somewhere next year so I could actually root for him because um, I do like the player. I just don't like where he's at. I get you. And the Raiders right now, it's their it's their pass coverage and it's their pass rush that is winning them ball games. Their run defense, really weak. I think they have the sixth weakest run defense in the league. It's not good. Defensively, they're, they're a formidable duo. And I, I think we're going to have a little bit of – struggling with them. I think Max Crosby is going to end up getting pressure. doesn't matter who he goes up against, even Rayshon Slater, just because of how the, the year he's having, you're going to have two of the, the two of the best players at their position matched up against each other. I'm really looking forward to the rematch uh, with Rayshon Slater and Max Crosby. And even on the other side, Yannick Ngakwe and, and Storm Norton, who should make his return this week. Uh, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. One of the ones that I'm actually looking forward to is how do our edges hold up against that pass rush, knowing that the coverage is going to be tight, knowing that the coverage, the windows aren't always going to be there, and you're going to be looking for Justin Herbert to extend the play, get outside the pocket. I think we're going to move the pocket around a little bit, knowing you know kind of how this defense is going to play because I don't think the receivers are going to be open quite as often as they have been in previous weeks because – the Raiders are have a good pass coverage. So that's one of the things that I'm looking for is how do how do we maintain and keep the pressure off of Justin Herbert and give him time to throw, especially with some of the more deep developing routes. I love that. Um yeah, I love that. To me, I think 
I really think this game's coming down to touchdowns versus field goals, meaning like which team can capitalize and come away with the maximum number of points when given the scoring chances. And with what this game means, you know, winner goes to the playoffs, loser goes home with the rivalry that is the Chargers and Raiders rivalry. I, I With all of that, I don't think there will be many scoring chances for each team. So which team executes the best with their limited opportunities is going to win. And just looking at the numbers, I think those type of games, they bode well, better for us because we're just built better for games like that. Chargers have the best touchdown drive percentage in the entire league. More than KC, better than Tampa Bay. Chargers drives end with the highest percent of touchdowns out of any other team in the NFL, about 35%. Chargers have scored the third most touchdowns all year, while the Raiders rank 24th. Justin Herbert alone has more passing touchdowns with 35 than the Raiders have total touchdowns. The Raiders only have scored 34 touchdowns all year. On top of that, their kicker, Daniel Carlson, leads the league in field goal attempts. So all I'm saying, the Raiders settle for field goals, and the Chargers are one of the best teams in the league in scoring touchdowns. The Raiders can't beat the Chargers with scoring field goals. You're not going to beat us that way. And I think looking at that, six points is better than three points. I think we're going to score more touchdowns than they score touchdowns. And I think that's going to be it. I think we're going to get, I think both teams are going to get the similar amount of scoring chances. I think they're going to settle for three. We're going to get six or seven. You know, it is it is a big game, not only for the fact that, you know, winner goes to the playoffs. And like you said, playoffs started last week for for the yeah. Chargers, really, ultimately, right? Against the Broncos, we knew that was a, a needed We win. needed it. We absolutely had to have it. And it terrifies me that if we lose this game, our season is over. Like, I'm not ready for, for football to be over, for Chargers no. football to be over. But I love the opponent because – one team is going to the playoffs. The other team is going to be sending them home. And what better outcome could possibly happen than us playing the Raiders and ending their season and allowing our season to continue? I think that if we do win this game, the the Colts are going to beat the Jets. I just don't understand how that would not end up happening. The Colts are beating the Jets, which us the seventh seed. We're not going to tie. No way that this game is going to end in a tie. So the Steelers so dumb. Have, that whole just that whole storyline is not happening. Let's put it to rest. It's everywhere. And it's everywhere. And it's we're so never dumb. just going to freaking, you Nobody know, take knees. Take a knee. and it's just not going to yeah. happen. No, there's no These are way. Competitors. You're going to tell the most competitive people on the planet to not compete in the most important game of the year. Stop it. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so not going to happen. No. I mean, could you imagine what would happen? And to nobody all wants the people to see who it. Buy- no, yeah, like the no. people who bought tickets to that game are going to be so pissed. No, it, it it's bad for sports. It's not well. It is bad, bad or for good. Sports. Bad or good. It's not going to happen because it's not sport. It's not. It's it, nowhere in the, you know, culture of competition does that ever happen. It's it's like one of those unwritten rules. We're not going to go out there to not compete. Like that's the whole part of the thing. I mean, <laughs> if it doing. really. If it comes down to it and we're in second overtime and it's you know we just score and it's a one and everybody's point game, star player is broken. Like I I like if yeah. that scenario happens, Brandon Staley's going for two. He's going for either the wind and sending them home, or he's gonna go for the lot. Like he's gonna lose and we're gonna go home. And I'd rather lose that game than fucking tie it. Like I don't want to I don't want 
I don't want to do that. Like I want to play for the win. That's what yeah. we want to do. We want to play for the win. And this kind of just reminds me of what we were talking about last week, where there was a scenario where we could lose both of these games and get in. But why compete? Why ever strive for that? You want to go into the playoffs on a high note. Every team does. Every team is going to try to build momentum. And with what this game means, with who we're playing, it, it it's going to be an even more important. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think the boost that the winner of this game gets is going to be pretty. What is yeah, significant? Yeah, it's just it's just not something I expect to happen. My my only question I do have is right now the playoffs. The Colts are have the sixth seed. Now, if we beat the Raiders and the Colts lose and the 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 Raiders have the tiebreaker, do the Raiders still get in? Yeah, I think th- I think they do. I think there's multiple scenarios for the Raiders to lose and still get in. That's that's something interesting to continue. I think to there's watch. I think there's two separate scenarios that the Raiders can lose and get in. I don't care. We have to win this game, and I'm well, not. And then, I'm not yeah, it doesn't matter. That. Nobody's like back to my point. You you want yeah. You're trying to build momentum for the next game because the next game means that much more. And you're not looking yeah. through your opponent, but you're building towards next week. Not Everybody like wants to play. But you don't. You want to get as high of a seat as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. There, there's you no know, incentive. Like the, there's this is not the typical all. week. Like this. There's well, and even the teams that have solidified playoff spots don't really have. There's really nobody going to be resting people. No, I mean, not at all. Green Bay, some NSC teams, but for the most part, and Cincinnati. Well, you look at it. There's yeah, really not a whole lot it. of teams that are going to be resting. The Titans. And yeah. the Chiefs are fighting for a bye week. Mm-hmm. So both of them want the bye week, so they're your one and two seed. They're not resting any starters. Well, and the, the Titans Bengals, don't they play on Monday? Don't they play? I think they play on Monday night. Do they not? No, the last Monday was the last Monday night football. So you have Saturdays and, and Sundays. Oh, okay. The only player that's being rested that I've heard of is Joe Burrow because the Bengals locked up the AFC North. And there's no reason for him to play, but I'm pretty sure they're playing every other player except for well, Joe Mixon. Because they can there and there there's no incentive for them to play either because they're either going to be a three or a four. So and there's yeah. just no there's no difference. There's no change to their seating. They can't get the bye. They are they are locked in where they're at. Uh New England and and the Bills, I mean, that's a division game. Both player both teams are, are playing for I think they're both playing to win the the AOC East, because I don't think either think team so. has yet. Um, and that's about it. One of the things I am interested in when we're talking about playoffs, though, is take a look and listen to these teams and tell me what do all of them have in common? Kansas City, Cincinnati, New England, Buffalo. They're all in the cold, and they all have better records than the Chargers. And with the exception of Indianapolis, who is also – and Indians, there's snow there. They play in a dome, so it's a little bit different. No matter where we go, we're going to be playing in some cold weather. There are no AFC teams. Even Tennessee right now, it's it's like I just looked at it. It's like in the 30s, like it's cold. So the Chargers are the only warm weather team that are going to be playing in the playoffs for the AFC. 
that puts us at a major, major disadvantage if we ended up winning this game and going into playoffs. It, you got to look at it. Like Kansas City at this time of year is cold, but not nearly as cold as Buffalo, not nearly as cold as New England. No matter where we're going, we're, we're playing some cold weather teams at their stadium. So that is something I do want to continue to monitor because I, I think that's significant for sure, right? Significant, significant, and and it will definitely, you know, have an influence on the outcome. But at the end of the day, like that's not going to deter the Chargers from wanting to win. Like, right? They want to go to the playoffs. Um, Just historically, we haven't been. No, we have not played very well in cold weather. No, I totally understand the the hesitancy, and especially in January. Uh, we have not performed well in cold weather. I think the best thing about that situation is our most likely first round opponent is Kansas City, where we have won this year already. And I know it was way back in who knows when when September did we play? You know, uh, just going back to like Kansas City, we always play them very well at the end of the year. Anyways. Well, and then I think I want the Chiefs so bad. For a lot of reasons, but for the, I, I think that is our most, I think that's our easiest opponent just because we know, familiar, them, so well. we know them very well and we're built the best. All those other teams have a legit dominant run game they can lean on. The Chiefs do not. And I think, I do not want the Titans round one. I do not want Buffalo or New England round one, but I would be glad. I, I wouldn't be. I would. I'd be glad to take on the Chiefs round one, get some payback from that last week. On top of it, Mahomes does not play us well, especially in the last two years or so. He does not play well against the Chargers. There's something there. We have whatever it is. We're in the back of his mind. He thinks he spends a lot of time thinking about us. I think it might have been the golfer over the summer who was chirping at him. Um, Who knows what it is, but Mahomes spends a lot of time thinking about the Chargers, and I would love to go in there an arrowhead and end his season. And who knows? I, I mean, are we seeing the end of the chief dominance that we saw for the last five, six years? Cause I, I do not think they are. I think they have shown this, this season that they are beatable, that you can beat the chiefs. They are no longer this indominant, you know, unbeatable force that they've seemed to be the last five years. You know, there's two teams I, w- I really want to play in the playoffs. And don't get me wrong, I want to play the Chiefs because I think we know them very well. And it's always good to have that rivalry in, in the playoffs. Uh, the first team that I want to play early, I want to do specifically just because of the timing of it. And that is the Tennessee Titans because Derrick Henry was just designated back from IR. And we have really struggled against the run. And I do not want to play Derrick Henry. And if we can play them early, maybe before Derrick Henry's really ready, you know, when he hasn't played football in two months, you want to try to play them early because you don't know what his health is like. And if you play him a little bit later, especially if he does sit out the first playoff game, that could be super, super dangerous. And, and just the timing of when you're going to be getting the Titans, knowing that you know, Derrick Henry could potentially still be out, maybe not at 100%, but then they're also missing Julio Jones. Those players both have a chance to end up coming back for like the AFC Championship, stronger after they've knocked off some rust after not playing for a month or two. 
I think I think you want the Titans early, and I think you want them right now. The other team I really want is just purely because we have not beat them in ten years, and I'm tired of losing <laughs> to the Patriots. I want the Patriots. I want I want to beat Belichick. I want to see us beat Bill Belichick at least once before he retires. And you're not getting very many chances left. And the Patriots have ended the Chargers' playoff hopes way too many times in my life since. Going back to, you know, 2008, 2009, it's always been the Patriots that have eliminated the Chargers. I want to beat Bill Belichick. I want I want to see us beat him before he retires. It's just something I want. I think you're going to get Kansas City probably early, right? You're probably going to get them next week. After that, you're probably going to see Tennessee because you're the seventh seed and they're the next highest team. And they might end up having the bye. And then if the Patriots make it there, that's your AFC championship game. Those are the three teams that I want. That's the order I want to beat them all. That's how I want it. And I love all of this. I think we might be, you know, just a week too early. I feel like we should save all of that for next week because I think we're doing something that I know the Chargers aren't doing, and we're kind of looking past the Raiders, which I think we need to get back to just because we have a very important game on Sunday. And it got flexed to Sunday night for a reason. Yeah, it's the it's best big game. Big game. And I am getting ahead of myself. The only but, reason I'm bringing it up is I won't have a chance to talk about it but before next week because if we do beat the Raiders, we'll already know who our opponent is. Gotcha. Okay. So All I right. did want to anyway. just bring it up. This is Raiders week. I'm not looking past the Raiders. I'm looking directly toward our Sunday yeah. night. It's the last game of the regular season, and I am ecstatic to see it. But if we don't have this conversation now, I won't be able to talk about the way that I want playoffs to end up happening because we'll already know our schedule. I hear. Yeah, I guess my only I totally understand the reasoning to want to play Tennessee early. But I also think there's a lot of other teams that are better built to beat Tennessee that we are also at the same time better to build. To be than Titans. So, like, I'm totally all right with some other team knocking the Titans off because I really do not think. Well, I thought without Derrick Henry, it, it is not a very scary team. Um, I think with a healthy Derrick Henry, it's a different story. That guy was insane. Um, and he fully is insane. Yeah. It, well, and fully healthy, he is. I, I'm just kind of hesitant on him being out for so long what kind of guy, what kind of player he's going to be because of how he plays, right? He's a physical guy. He's running over eight or nine guys every time he gets the ball. Is he going to be able all to that? All that tells stamina? me is he's going to be fresh. That's oh, he's going to be fresh. He's, he's going to be, be fresh. fresh. No dings, no bumps, no bruises. I'm just hoping to get him on an off week because he hasn't practiced with the team in so long that I'm I'm really hoping that if, if we do end up getting the Titans, that it happens early as soon as he's headed back. Because if they get that yeah. bye week, oh my god, that that team is going to be so terrifying to see in playoffs. Now, what about this though? Say Titans meet another team, say the Bengals or the Patriots or someone like that, beat up on I that think... defense for four quarters, then beat the Titans. We get to play them next week after they got beaten up, had to take Derrick Henry down for four quarters. That would be an advantage, I would say. I would say that the best team to meet the Titans would be the Patriots because I feel like the Patriots have the best run defense. And Kansas the game, City, yeah. they're soft run defense. 
Buffalo, yeah. I mean, I think Buffalo has a really good defensive like their linebackers. I think that could also be a good matchup. But you're looking for for the Titans to play either the Patriots or the Bills, in my opinion, because I still yeah. think the Bengals are are not very strong there. The Colts have always had a really good defense. Uh, I just think New England's a little bit better to to play. You know, Matt Eberflus with with the Colts almost had a head coaching job. Has always had his team very well disciplined. The Colts might be a good good team. I know they they're very familiar with the Titans as well. Um, but I, I want I want, I'd like them to face the Patriots because no no team no coach Bill Belichick is the only guy that's going to have the the perfect answer to stopping Derrick Henry. I think, and I kind of agree with that. I think about out of all of those guys, or out of all of those teams, there's only one team with a guy who could game plan to erase somebody as dominant as Derrick Henry, and it's Bill Belichick. Nobody else can. Just before- and then you're getting J.C. Jackson uh, matched and- up on on uh, gr- um, Green. What's his name? Not AJ. AJ Green. No. Who are you talking about? Uh, Titans wide receiver. Oh, uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown. So you're gonna get JC Jackson on AJ Brown, one on one, and then you're just gonna play everybody on Derrick Henry, and you you know that that quarterback's good enough to to play that matchup. Well, and, and Bill Belichick, his whole career has been built around erasing the other team's best player. So it's if anyone can do it, it would be him. So that that would be a tough matchup for Tennessee. I, I guess going back to the Raider game. I really liked what Der- uh, Joey Bosa had to say about Derek Carr after the fact that he gets rattled if you get some pressure on him. I guess I'm I guess I'm trying to ask what what are your opinions on that? Do you think Derek Carr gets rattled when you get some pressure on him? How do you feel about his response? I think it was kind of scared. Like I feel like so I really like Derek Carr as a quarterback. Uh, he's not ever going to be a, a top five quarterback. It's just, it's never going to happen, but he is the ultimate game manager. He can lead his team to wins if he's got the right pieces around him. Mm. I know that most of his career, he's had a really good offensive line where he's been able to have that pressure taken off of him. I really do think Derek Carr is a good quarterback in the NFL. He's not going to, I mean, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's none of those players, but you know, check the home had a, a tremendous career that spanned 12 to 14 seasons that include two Super Bowl appearances. And he was just the ultimate game manager, right? And he just had the right pieces, Steve Smith around him, um, uh, Jonathan Stewart around him. Uh, he's had like some good players around him. And all he has to do is, you know, get the right players in the right position and get them the ball and let them do their own thing. And, the thing with Derek Carr is he doesn't have any players like that on offense. I mean, Hunter Renfro is having a phenomenal season. Hunter Renfro is playing almost like he is a top 10 wide receiver, but I mean, he's a really good route runner in a lot of ways. I think Hunter Renfro is very similar to Keenan Allen in terms of his route running, in terms of his just awareness of, of what's going on around him, but not like overly athletic or overpowering or, you know, cause Allen's never been the overpowering type of guy. He's always been the smart instinctual player. And I think Hunter Renfro has that same type of play to his game, that same type of strength to his game. Yeah, I can see the you know, comparison. Yeah. It, it's, a, it is actually, I think a really, really good comparison 
because you don't see too many wide receiver ones who are not guys that are taking, you know, their defender deep. You know, they, they cut you with the, you know, like well, a yeah, thousand the, cuts, you know, like that's, the, that's their thing. Well, and they're like an, you know, an homage to like the old Jerry Rice type receivers. We're not burning you with speed, but there's something valuable in guys that can get you 10 yards every time that can move the chains. And that's what they are. They're possession receivers. You, you'd really, there's less of them because yeah, there's a less of them because the game is just so much different than it was. Yeah. I mean, when you think of a wide receiver one, you think of guys that'll take your, your defender deep and overpower yeah. them. That's, you know, Hopkins, you look at Devonte Adams, you look well, at Devonte Adams, I think is the perfect combo that can take you right. deep, but is also a route technician. And a rack both guy, ways. too. Yeah, well, he's a he's, rack guy, too. Devontae Adams is different, because I think he could do he's both. He's the most complete. Yeah, most complete he could do receiver. both. He could do both at elite level. And I think what you're, I think your point is, you, you kind of have a pick and choose. Um, Cooper Cup's kind of now in that yeah, he's, area, he's too, where he that, does both. You know, if I had to pick the top two wide receiver in today's game, I would pick Cooper Cup and I would pick Devontae Adams. To me, it's those and two, you're yeah. seeing both of them have nearly 1,800 yards. I mean, they're like phenomenal athletes and they do everything. And typically, your wide receiver one is your ex receiver who's your 6'3, 6'4, 6'5 overpower guys, right? Yeah. But I mean, you don't get too many Keenan Allens. You don't get too many um, Hunter Renfros who are just smart instinctual players who are just you know they're they're the guys that get you know 100 and catches in a season which is just insane and the fact that Keenan Allen has done that five seasons in a row is just we're so lucky we're so blessed to have that you know what I mean five and I think I think Antonio Brown has the record with any receiver with six no but with six oh six consecutive yeah. seasons like that um I don't really crazy, man. It's just crazy. I, I, I'm a big fan of Hunter Renfro, even though he's wearing black and silver. Um, he's, he's going to hit that hundred year receptions against us. And I'm actually looking forward to it because I think it's a major accomplishment for him. Uh, he's not doing it because of us. He's doing it because he's, he's a legitimate receiver. And, uh, how many seasons until he's a a Patriot? He, he kind of has that. Well, yeah, that under, yeah, that unassumed he is a star. Patriot. He's a total. He has a patriot written all over him. That's funny that you would say that. <laughs> um, and because Bill Belichick loves taking Raiders superstars too and making them what they the Raiders could. Randy do. Moss. I mean, that, yeah, that was the first just, guy I'm thinking of. But uh, I just but, think of like Hunter Renfro as like this Julian, the the white Julian Edelman or the white Wes Welker, who's just like you know very good as a, a slot receiver and he's no, just he like likes... one of those hardcore guys, but he's, he is every single bit of a Patriots wide receiver as you could possibly find. He fits the build for sure. Jordy uh... Nelson. Like he's that guy. Like he's, yeah. he's that guy. That's him. I, I'm super excited for this matchup because of where our pass rush is now compared to where it was back in week four. Because in week four, our pass rush had a pretty decent game. We generated 22 pressures. But that was back when it was only Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa himself in that game had seven pressures, almost half of them. And it was back when we didn't have pass rushers surrounding Bosa. Bosa has some help now. I think that's going to be... Not only does he have some help 
rushing the passer. He has a fully healthy secondary, which is going to give him some extra seconds to get after Derek Carr, give him a second to get in Derek Carr's lap. We had four sacks last time we played him. I think we're going to, if not, if not just repeat that, I see us getting six sacks against Derek Carr. That would be I do. insane. That would be I like, we, if we get four sacks, we're winning the game. If we get six sacks, we're blowing them out. I think I really think we have the chance to do it because I, I like Colton Miller. I the right side, Andre Roberts to I don't even know who the right guard or right tackle is because they're just not very good. The Alex Leatherwood the, is actually playing right guard, and then you have Brandon Parker, right, who I don't know. Right. Well, and you don't need to know because that right side of the line is 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 Swiss <laughs> cheese. You know, I they are it's so true. bad. They're so bad, and just looking at the pressures that they allow, like it, we're gonna have. You have Colton Miller, who's gonna block his stand up as guy. We're gonna have three or four other guys winning their matchups. Every yeah. any given snap, any given snap, just looking at who they have to block, they don't. <laughs> they don't have anybody. And, the, and Josh I guess Jacobs, as good as he the is, last thing. Josh Jacobs that's is the last great. Thing I He's not say. a pass blocker. That's the last thing I want to say is. Uh, Jerry Tillery has come on really, really strong the last few weeks. Another player Positive that words for Tillery. Yeah, and I, <laughs> it's weird for me to say. I just it, it just feels so unnatural to say something nice about Jerry Tillery. But over the last couple he's weeks, been well. he's been playing very well. He's been playing much stronger against the run, holding his line, not giving up the giant rushing lanes, which is a major factor. And the us going from the absolute by far worse run defense to like 27. And for the fact that we even got down that far from where we were at, like we had like, we were averaging like 30, 40 more yards per game, every single game than the next closest team. And for us to even like come down that in, in, you know, the, the remaining eight games, that's, that's a lot. And, And I feel like Jerry Tillery, he's improved enormously against the the pass like his ability to get at the quarterback is has been major but he's been improving in his run defense i still think there's a lot of room to go oh yeah a lot of room to go but he's been a major factor and in the improved run defense over the past few weeks and we're still liable to give up a 150 yard game right it's very sporadic we're not there yet we don't have a lot of time to figure it out we have to figure it out against the Raiders it has to be figured out there and then as we move into the playoffs uh, I have no idea what's gonna happen but um give me go ahead and give me your final score prediction and then we'll wrap this up final score prediction let me see it was 28 14 28 14 week four the last time we met yeah I'm gonna go I like ahead to- I I, uh, I I like the Chargers to score over 30 points this game. I feel mm-hmm. like that's been a uh, an MO for them the last couple of weeks. They always sit, seem to sit around that 30. So I'm going to say 30-24 Chargers. I think it's going to be a close matchup. Both teams have Whoa. a lot to play for. Um, they have, Both teams have a lot, a lot to play for. But I obviously want to see us in the playoffs and I'm really looking for some trash talk back and forth between Derek Carr and Joey Bosa. Go for it. That'll be fun. I, I'm just looking. 
30 is kind of like our threshold. We've scored more than 30 the last five games. And we're held to... Yeah, we, we've scored over 30 for the last five games. No, that's not true. 40, uh, 37, 29 28, against 29, Houston. 34. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I think 28... I'm. I really think it's going to be another four touchdown game, Dustin Hopkins field goal. But I say 31-24. But I don't think it's. I. I. I think we get up big again. Uh, they make a little mini surge there in the middle, but instead, I don't think it's going to be as close this time around. Like they had a legit chance, I thought it's going to be like four. a like a garbage time touchdown to get to that twenty four. Yeah, I and I don't even know if it'll be that. I think it'll be mostly well in hand when we get the ball back with about five minutes left, which we've been so good at just icing out. Um, which is kind of what I see. I see us getting the ball back four minutes to go, five minutes to go, up thirty four seven, thirty four twenty four. Is 34-24 is my final goal. 34-24? Go okay, I'll, I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll give you permission <laughs> to, to, to give that score out there. You asked me it. Uh, what, one of the number one things I'm looking for from this game, to close this game, to really keep this game in, I think we're going to get to an early lead because we seem to jump out to one every single game, but mm. we need to hold it in the third quarter. The third yeah. quarter – Every single game this season has been absolutely atrocious. And that is where this game is going to be. One is in the third quarter. We're going to come back from halftime and we have to make the correct adjustments and we need to start fast because for whatever reason, we start games super, super hot. And then we always make it interesting in the third quarter. And you finally saw us kind of put the stamp on that against the Broncos and really not give that up. And the Broncos was an interesting game anyways because we made a lot of goal line stops. That was kind of what we did was we prevented the short yardage situations, which really allowed us to win that game because the Broncos were in the red zone a lot, like a lot, a lot. And we forced them to kick field goals and we forced turned over on downs. But it's the third quarter that this team has really struggled overall. I, I think Justin Herbert's been one of the best fourth quarter comeback quarterbacks in the entire NFL. It's the third quarter where we just can't give it away. We can't get it away. We have to come and make the adjustments and play to them right away. Like it's got to happen right away. We have to have to make those adjustments right away. And I think that's where we're going to end up winning this game is third quarter. We need to become a third quarter team. Um, it is a major weakness in my opinion. Any closing remarks, Zach? No, Let's just beat the Raiders. Let's go. Keep the season going. All it takes is, a, is to beat down on the Raiders. What more do you want as a Charger fan? Bring it on. I'm so excited for Sunday night. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I am ecstatic for this game. This is the game of the year for the Chargers. And if I come back next week and our season is over, you think last week was a bad podcast. Next week is going to be terrible. So no, we're putting it out there. Positive vibes. Con- season continues this weekend. Playoff start with a playoff win from the Chargers. You heard it here first. 34-24. Chargers win. 31-24. Chargers win. Thank you guys so much for listening.
sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.